Hi, I'm Kieran and welcome to the Growth Lessons Podcast. I run a community called Launch MBA where motivated makers who want to become founders support each other in shipping 12 products or ideas in 12 months to see what gets traction. We host regular Ask Me Anything sessions with successful founders where we ask them about their past failures, their learnings and how this translated into success. You're about to hear one of those sessions. I hope you enjoy it. Nice to see all of you. I'm Alex. I am from Greece, but also from England, half and half. I ended up somewhere in computer science and uh, I started building some side projects when I was 20, uh, 21, because uh, a relative of mine had raised money. He, he lived the American dream, you know. He left from Greece, packed his suitcases, he went to San Francisco. He stayed for a year there. He co-founded the team. He raised money. He raised seven million, I think. Uh, and I met him on holiday in Greece. I was so inspired by the conversation. I was in university studying computer science. I hated it up to that point because I thought I would become an IT technician, you know, something like that. And since then, uh, I was like, okay, I know what I want to do. I want to raise money and uh, build a fucking billion-dollar business. What happened was, as most people do, I was reading through TechCrunch, uh, reading all these success stories. All my ideas were catered towards that kind of result. So mobile apps where you can see what's going on in your neighborhood, like very consumer oriented, you know, uh, that would need money to raise money, etc. Uh, but then that friend of mine from, from Greece, uh, he very silently closed his company. Uh, and of course, there's no article about that because uh, TechCrunch do not cover when business is closed, it, unless it's a big deal like we had last month with the company that raised billions. But I remember just doing the math in my head and saying, okay, uh, raising money in Greece, I mean, come on, that's impossible. And the odds are one in a thousand to 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 exit one day and make money but what i really want is to change my life and that's it i don't really care about becoming a billionaire and i think most of us here you know uh, we don't want to become billionaires uh, i'm actually in the process now of writing down my ideal lifestyle how much it costs uh, but anyway we'll get there later so i join uh, a startup incubator, fresh out of university. I have this fantastic idea. It was complete shit. It, it was uh, to a mobile app which you could use and uh, decide easier where to go out to have a drink. You know, I think it's the most basic idea. Uh, almost everyone has had that idea. Uh, and I, I joined this incubator and. We were not even talking about making money, charging money, how many customers do you have? Those were not even on the table, those questions. All we were talking about was, okay, do you have a pitch deck? Okay, in three months, investors will come. We have to pitch, we have to invest. How much are you going to ask? All these top-down theories, you know, where are you going to be in five years? You have zero customers and you're talking about where you're going to be in five years. So that was a, a bad experience. Uh, and uh, leaving from that three-month program, I was like, okay, fuck it. I'm just going to build small things and uh, try to make some money. Uh, I'm, I'm from Greece. 
my salary was 500 euros per month so that's a quite low benchmark to to reach you know um so i started building products uh fast forward i'm not going to go through the details and bore you all but fast forward two years after you know struggling at around 50 to 100 monthly recurring revenue uh this year at last i i hit my good project that was number 19 and it went from zero to 2000 plus monthly recurring revenue some months it were like 4000 in in revenue because of annual plans and stuff it went in in six months so progress happened really s- slowly and then this year just went uh really quickly been there done that incubators are sometimes dangerous they make it look like you're actually doing something when you're just designing business. Yes, that is very interesting. That was exactly my experience. Yeah, I, I've been through a couple of those as well, and it was exactly the same. All talking about getting investment. How good is your pitch? Mm. But how good is your pitch to investors? Not how good is your pitch to potential customers? There was no discussion about that at all. Yeah, I know, and it's just so stupid like no one explains to you the math like this game is designed by investors for investors it's not designed for you to win if you want to maximize your odds you might as well just you know build small projects and first and that's the other thing you know you don't have to build your your mega project first you have your whole life in front of you if you're if you're that keen on building something wow and grandiose and huge you can start with something simple, like a small boring business that does not need much of your time. You don't need to raise money or anything for that. And once you have your time and your freedom and everything, then maybe you can think about it again. But I, I see mostly people there that they think it's their, their way out of their now their nine to five, which is not true. So you tweeted uh, recently that your monthly recurring revenue has well it surpassed your salary. I yeah. don't know. It was at the first month that had happened. No, <laughs> no, there was a good tweet. So that's why I tweeted it. But um, no, no, all jokes aside, uh, it was the first time it happened this July. Uh, and it was the most surreal feeling I've ever felt in my life. And someone actually replied on a comment, and I'll never forget the comment because it said, uh, he said, I myself have been through that. Uh, whatever happens to your business, whatever happens in the future, you will never forget this day because it's like you were blind, but now you see that there's another way, you know, that there is another way to make money. You don't need someone to to do the dirty work for you, find customers and then give you the scraps. You can go and do it by yourself. So that was amazing. Now it's almost been four months in a row. By the end of the year, it'll be six months in a row, uh, I hope. So... Uh, I'm actually thinking this is like uh, something I've been thinking. I've been talking about with my with my family and stuff. I'm thinking of quitting my job because I have a lot of money aside uh, and going for it, you know. But full time job was the best thing that ever happened to me. So I'm a bit scared of leaving my job. Actually, yeah. I mean, I was going to say obviously the temptation must be strong to to leave your full time job, but yeah. There is, you know, in terms of risk, you would be more than doubling your risk by, by leaving because a small bootstrap business is, is always going to be risky to rely on. Yeah, yeah. It's a, it's a risk that you have to calculate. Like in, in my mind, um, like I have around 50,000 aside. Okay, that's for 
my lifestyle, which is very simple. I don't buy stuff. I don't want stuff. I live in a cheap country. That would be at least two years of runway. So I think that even two years of runway, if I made zero dollars tomorrow, like I made zero, not even break even. Yeah. Uh, so I, I think about it like that. What I'm mostly afraid of, Kieran, is that I might become lazy again because the, there's this notion that the more time you have, the better you 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 perform. But this, it, for me, it was the opposite actually. When I had all day long in Greece, so I I was building projects while I was studying. I would wake up in the morning. I would drink my coffee. I would just look around Twitter. I would go to the gym, come back, and then I would work on my projects. I didn't do anything all day long. All day long, I did nothing. Whereas here, I had my full-time job. I would wake up at 7 o'clock, two hours in, done. Everything done for the day. Go to work. Uh, didn't work at all, you know, until the next day on, on my own stuff. That's what I'm afraid of, becoming lazy again. Yeah, I think that's a, a good message for anyone who's thinking of the same thing. Um, because yeah. obviously it would cross your mind, but it's true when you have constraints like that. Um, you know, I, I do all of my no-code stuff in the evenings and weekends and I'm, I tend to be super focused. And if I have a whole day ahead of me, I will not be focused at all. The first 18 projects that you did, um, were, where did you come up with the ideas for those things? Was What did you learn from the process of launching those that you... Do you think they kind of fed into the 19th and helped to bring success or were some of them just wasted? Well, looking back, you know, it's easy to say, oh, yeah, of course, you know, I did that. And that's why I did. I knew that some of them might have been like a waste of time completely. Uh, but in general, of course, like with every with every launch, you found another thing that was not needed, you know. Uh, my first idea, which I joined that incubator, I was coding that for two years, like 10,000 lines of code for an Android app. Uh, I don't know how many thousand lines of code for the server, and I was optimizing things. You know, the, the mistakes that everyone does in the beginning, although we, we read about these mistakes, everyone does them. And that's why I think you have to go through them, because there's, there's a difference between uh, memorizing that something, but... Uh, and knowing something because when you know it you know you know why you're doing it so in the beginning I, I was trying to be lean and and launch quickly but fast forward two years my my number 19 uh, I launched like with just a landing page and uh, no product no code no nothing so that I could no matter how many blog posts I, I could have read about launching fast I would never have done it uh, you you have to launch many times and realize that okay i spent 3 weeks building this no one even signed up no one even clicked the button so why did i build everything behind that button you know all the all the magic behind the scenes all the back end and stuff so yeah that helped a lot the problem was really that i was again i was a student in greece designing my life from a place of comfort all my ideas were things I found interesting, uh, mostly consumer market, and did not really were all unique, you know. And uh, until I found a job, I wanted my my project to be an extension of my personality or whatever, to be something unique, you know, to be something creative, something beautiful. But then I found a full time job, and I just realized that you know what that can come later. What I want now is my freedom. 
just build something boring. So I, I just, for cyber leads, I didn't, I didn't come up with the idea. I just found something that worked and I, and I went for it and that's it. So if you had to go back to the start of those 19 projects, knowing what you know now, would you just do a landing page for each one and then try to see what traction you get before you even start any building? Uh, yeah, probably. Unless it was, it depends. You know, sometimes you might be in a mood to code something and build it. But yeah, ideally, uh, you could go through those nineteen projects really quickly. How did you? How did you come up with the idea for cyber leads in the end? I reached this point. I have to find a job. I go to Italy. I start working. I realize how how much it sucks to be in an office for eight hours every day, and. I'm just like, okay, I need to find a lucrative market where you can just join and take a small piece of the pie and that's enough for you because our costs are minimal. Uh, and I went on Reddit. Uh, I had two markets in mind. Yeah, that was actually the biggest paradigm shift that instead of thinking idea first, product second, market third, distribution channel fourth, that was my, my, my train of thought in the beginning. Then it became the opposite. So it became distribution channel. What do I have? Okay, I have Product Hunt. You know, you list down your, your resources. I have Product Hunt. I have a, a Twitter account. Uh, I know the tech bubble a little bit. I have those three, okay? So it has to be something that has to do with tech. Number two, you go to market. Okay, which are good markets inside the tech sphere? Uh, I found two. One was lead generation. And the other one was the cyber security market. Uh, I had seen like, you know, a healthy market is very easy to, to recognize. You will find many players, many alternatives. Uh, you won't find one main uh, company uh, dominating the market. You'll find m many players of all sizes and all types. Uh, so these two markets were really interesting to me. And I went on Reddit. And um, I went what I've seen um, actually described as a Reddit oh, idea hunting, rather. Uh, and uh, you basically you join some subreddits uh, in the markets that you're interested in, and you you can either go undercover and ask some questions, or you can just see like what is trending, what are people talking about. And uh, I stumbled upon a post that was a list of uh, recently funded companies. Uh, and people went crazy. They really liked it, you know, like, oh, they had many upvotes, many comments and stuff. And that was the beginning. Then I, I followed that rabbit hole and I found that there are so many companies that are distributing this public uh, information in different packages with different, in different boxes of different colors with different ribbons and just different bit, uh, pricing. Uh, the same information exactly the same information with in different ways. I studied some of them and I said, okay, what can I build with a landing page? Well, I can build a landing page and just say that you will get a new list on the first of every month. So, so for whoever's not familiar with what I'm talking about, uh, I, I ended up building a product where you sign up uh, and on the first of every month, you receive in your inbox uh, a list of hundreds of companies that just raised money. And this is important because these companies that just raised money, they have two things in common. Number one, they're growing extremely fast, which means that they have many holes to, to fill and 
many problems and they will need to outsource stuff they will need to subscribe to new product products etc and number two they have a lot of money to spend so they're the perfect prospects and i was actually working at a funded company so i knew that you know money comes and goes very easily there they were paying thousands of dollars for our lunch every day it's they do spend money anyway i end up launching on product hunt uh, and i went uh, from zero to two hundred dollars uh, per month recurring in my first week, and that was it. Like that, that was uh, first time that this happened. I don't know. Has anyone else uh, have revenue here yet? Yeah, I think our, our main revenue generator of the group is Janelle, but she's not on the call today. But she's just uh, done a information yeah. product. Mm, info product. Yeah, that actually that is the thing that I would change, Kieran. Uh, if I started today, that was another trap that I had in my mind. I would I closed my mind in small boxes. You know, one was it had to be a SaaS product. Product. I was so stuck with that. Whereas you can go slowly. You can go up to there. You can start with an info product. Then you can go to a. You can start with freelancing. Then you can go info product. Then you can go subscription. Then you can go to software as a service. Software is great because you can fall asleep and it doesn't drink coffee, it doesn't complain, it doesn't need money, it works for you while you're sleeping. But other business models are really good as well. Yeah, I think um, this guy Rob Walling, who's um, been talking about SaaS for quite a long, quite a few years, and he has a podcast. He's he's got this stair step approach to SaaS, and he says you should never try and do SaaS to start with because it's just too complicated mm. and it's too difficult and it takes too long. And it's much better to start with a simple information product or one-time digital product and keep repeating that until you have enough revenue that you can dedicate some time to actually building a SaaS because inevitably there's a, a long ramp of death or something he calls it. Yeah, I, I like that. I, like, I agree with that. Yeah, yeah. Nowadays we see a lot of info products, by the way. Yeah. I think, is it my idea or are there many courses coming up all the time? Yeah, I think it's uh, it's having its heyday now. I think SaaS was like the golden child, um, you know, a few years ago uh, when it, it first became a thing. You know, it's only quite a recent concept paying monthly for software. Uh, and I think it's now becoming fairly saturated. So it's still, it's still kind of the dream for a lot of people. But info products at the minute are considered like a faster way to, to make decent money and if you have an audience then you can yeah you can make considerable amounts of money pretty pretty quickly yeah and i agree with that uh, gumroad has made it super easy to start of course like it's five minutes and that's the magic of no code you know that's amazing i used to code so i was actually slightly negative with no code in the beginning because like, what the fuck man i've been coding all these years and now you can just build it in two clicks but you know it's it's the best thing ever. Honestly, it's the best thing ever. And I have many friends that ask, like my best friend, now he wants to, to start his own business. He knows how to code and he's asking about web frameworks and bullshit like that. I just tell him, just use no code, you know? It's so fast and you can do so many things. If, if at some day you, you reach the limit of no code, that's the, a great problem to have, you know? What do you use mostly, Bubble or anything else? Um, yeah, I, I use Bubble, um, yeah. but 
certainly my process now has changed a bit so i will i try to start with just a landing page before i even touch bubble but in the past i've built complete products uh on bubble that have zero customers and zero market um mm. so it's easy to, it's easy to fall into that trap but but yeah definitely i i would find it very hard to recommend to recommend to someone to build something with code even if they're a coder when i know now that you can build stuff much faster yeah. with no code yeah. and, and code um, breaks and design is easier with no code a lot mm -hmm. easier yeah and you, you have someone else taking care of of all of the infrastructure and things like that which um you know if i was doing that on my own with code i would feel very exposed to know that you know i have to manage my server and all these other bits and pieces yeah for whoever is uh you know programs at the other company they know how complicated you can make things with code Webflow and Airtable and Integromat. I, I have not heard of Integromat. So that's like Zapier. It, it plugs yeah, apps okay. together and kind of runs automations. Um, but oh, nice. Yeah, so I guess that right. Yeah. And Integromat just got acquired actually uh, within the last month for I can't remember how much, but it was it was a lot. Nice. So what is your, your pace? Do you have like a set pace or do you just go in with the flow like as many projects as you can? Do you have like a checklist? How do you validate products? Like how, how, how do you work? So we, we tend, to, so we have kind of monthly deadlines. So we're supposed to do one product per month. Um, but that doesn't mean it has to be completely different. Like if you do a landing page for a product one month and it gets traction, then the next month you should absolutely be building something else to capitalize on that traction, uh, like an MVP for the same thing. Um, so the, the monthly deadlines are really just something to, to give people a bit of a deadline and a bit of accountability. Uh, and then, yeah, it's, you know, people dip in and out in terms of validating ideas. We're still working on like a better framework for doing that because at the moment it's a bit, it's a bit haphazard and people just go with the flow and do what feels, feels right to them in the near future. I hope to have in place, um, frameworks that people can use or can choose not to use, but they will help them decide um, what metrics they're going to look at and um, decide whether to get rid of a project or, or at least keep it on the back burner or, or keep working on it. Do you, do you want a life hack how to validate your products? Yes, please. Take a product that's already been validated. Nice. <laughs> so that's the best, you know, yeah. You, then you have to validate your distribution channel and that is yeah. the biggest problem. That's what I did. I knew that they were validated. All of them, they work with SEO though, all my competitors. Uh, so I took that idea, but I had to validate Product Hunt, Twitter, whatever I have in my, in my arsenal, you know, and my resources, if it could work for me. Because that's the thing, like ideas are super important, but even a validated idea might, it, it might not uh, click with your uh, resources. That's the hardest part, you know. There's so many things that have to align. That's why I think it's bullshit making graphs and charts and uh, equations and try to to design a business plan in the beginning. You have to just go for it. But I would really like I would advise myself two years ago to uh, think distribution channel first, even before the market, even before the idea. First is okay. What do you have? Okay, I have this. Even on 
Ahrefs. Do you know that website where you can look up keywords for SEO? Yeah. So you can log on, uh, you can subscribe. It's very, um, it's quite expensive, but maybe you can split the bill between you or whatever. I don't know if they have a team thing, but you can look at keywords and volume and what people are looking for. Because it's, it's a lot easier, you know, just casting your net on a river with many fish swimming looking for a solution rather than being a hunter going out with your trying to to you know win individual customers actually now i mean and this never really stops you know you cannot change the market i think that that was another big mistake of mine i was trying to make my idea work i spent an entire year on one project that i completely fell in love with and that had to do with medical computer science you know it was a chrome extension that uh, would help people with epilepsy uh, not uh, see any animated gif or video that would trigger uh, a seizure so i fell completely in love with that because it was you know it was something very cool to say that you work with kind one of the things you, you know you can tell your parents that your parents will tell their friends uh my girlfriend loved that idea so it was just I wanted to make it work, but it's not easy to make something work when people don't want it, you know. So now I'm actually in the process, sorry for ranting, by the way, <laughs> where um, even now that with cyber leads, I'm targeting agencies. Because I'm changing my distribution channel, I want to move from Twitter, which is my main uh, growth channel. Uh, I want to move to something more stable, which is uh, SEO. The reason I want to go to something more stable is because the market is medium to high churn. Uh, and, uh, you know, I have to accept that. In the beginning, I did not like it. I was like, why? What the fuck? 20% of my people aren't subscribing every month. I'm building a bad product, whatever, whatever. It's the industry standard, you know, and I just have to accept that churn will be high. Uh, and if I, if I take my foot off the pedal, I have a buffer period, of course, of months, close to a year, but it will go down quickly. So if you have medium to high churn, you cannot fuck around with your traffic. It has to be consistent because your growth has to be consistent. So now I'm going on Ahrefs and I'm looking at keywords all day. And I have no idea who is looking at those keywords. I might have to pivot if all my traffic is, I don't know, something else other than agencies. The point that I'm trying to get to is pick a, pick a channel and uh, try to get traffic and then see that traffic, who they are and what they want. I wouldn't go super niche from the start, if that makes sense. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. So when you originally started Cyberleads and you had these first people from Product Hunt, obviously that's that's one distribution channel, but it's not really repeatable. So how did you identify like who, who are these people that have signed up for this and, and how can I find more of them? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. And actually that's a great question to ask to yourself even before building a product. Okay, so you have idea X, say that you launched it, say that you have 10 customers from Product Hunt, now what? It, 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 if you cannot bring all the time customers, it's, it will fail again. But the good thing is that when you have traction, like we were saying before, you have no guilt to focus 150% to make something work. So I knew that this was my, my best chance of building something that could uh, 
make some money. So I tried everything. There's a book called uh, Traction. It's very easy to read. The specifics are not really important. The important is the idea that you should try everything uh, to bring new customers. There are many different channels, social, whatever. But when you identify one that's working for you, you have to drop everything else. Although it may sound counterintuitive, you have to drop everything else and double down on one channel. It's a lot better to be really good at one thing. The same as niching down in a market, you know, the same thing. You have to double down on, on, on something that works. So I tried everything, cold email, uh, LinkedIn, Twitter, paying for ads. I tried that a bit. I tried anything I could, really. And then randomly one day, a tweet of mine blew up, which I did not plan at all. And I got 10 customers. I'm like, what the fuck? That was like a product hunt launch, you know? If you can sort of mimic a product hunt launch every two, three weeks, that's quite good, you know, system going. Uh, and that's how it's been going since then. Social does scale with time. Like a Twitter profile, it will scale with time. Your reach will scale as well. But it's super unstable, you know, and that's what I don't like about it. Some months, maybe very, like this month and the previous now, have been very dry. Like uh, for some reason, it just I've, have not been able to bring a lot of traffic to the website, and that happens sometimes, you know. So the kind of tweets that get you customers are they ones about the product itself, uh, or are they ones where you tell your story of how you built it? Somewhere in the middle, you know, uh, no marketing is the best marketing. You know, no one wants to be sold anything. I, I will never tweet like oh, 10% off for the next 24 customers. Uh, use the code. I don't know. Cyberleads is great. No, I, I mostly tweet about the journey. But even though some tweets might go bananas and get thousands of likes or whatever, uh, they might not bring customers, but another tweet that where I'm showing like the redesign of the website might bring me to two customers. It's, it's really just chaos. Uh, but one thing is clear that there is a direct correlation between tweeting and getting new customers. So I know that at the end of the day, you just have to pump out content. You know. But for anyone listening, now at, at this point, I, I do have 5,000 followers, but at the beginning, I did not. When, when I tweeted and that went viral and I got 10 customers, I had 500 followers, which is nothing really. It just happened. You know, one, one trick is keep it short, put a milestone, and uh, don't reference your product. You know, don't make it like sleazy or whatever. For example, my tweet that blew up was, uh, just got my first $50 per month customer. Exclamation mark, emoji. That was it. Twitter you know, so try everything. Yeah, my, my advice would be try everything because you never know what will work. That's good advice. I just got my first sale. Maybe I'll tweet that this evening. Yeah, you got your first customer? Uh, it's not that it's a marketplace and it's using Gumroad uh, affiliates, uh, the easiest way to set it up. And uh, it's been around for a while, but I haven't done any active marketing on it for the last five weeks because I've been busy building a backlog of new content to, to add to the marketplace um, and start connecting directly with the uh, makers, other makers who have got products to put in there. And so I've done zero marketing recently and in the last week or so, something must have got a bit of traction because I've got two or three new like um, organic signups for people with products. And I actually got someone who made the first conversion, which uh, was quite a happy day. <laughs> yeah, man, you have to share that, you know, because actually you, you're given 
I hate the word inspire. It's one of the words I hate. But actually, it is fucking great seeing someone like a small milestone like that. Like, oh, you know what? I've been working on this for three months and now I have my first customer. That's great. People will celebrate with you. There's, there's, an, there's an added element to that as it's a marketplace. It was, it was only $12, but I did absolutely nothing for it because it was someone else's product. So yeah. it was a, technically a referral commission or a marketplace transaction fee. And uh, yeah, it was really good to sort of feel. I've sold other digital assets and I'm a consultant and day, day job, but uh, so I'm used to getting paid sort of for, by the project or by the hour. And I've been paid for a couple of like templates and things online for no code uh, tools. But yeah, to see that come in and it was like, oh, I did, I did absolutely nothing for that. Apart from all the effort three months ago or something. <laughs> I think even on the ladder you were talking about of the, uh, you know, of income or whatever it's called. I think marketplaces is actually on the top of the last stair, you know, because it's, you're not even, you're just hosting the party, you know. You're the middleman. You're middleman. Not doing anything. Yeah. The key to great business is to be a great middleman. There's a layer cake, isn't it? Great British film. Yeah, <laughs> I have no idea. Watch Layer Cake. It's a great. There's a great clip in there. But yeah, you're right. It is. Uh, it is a strange feeling. I was like, I, I feel bad. Like I, I did nothing. I, uh, I just made. I suppose you, you made the introduction. That's the idea of a marketplace, isn't it? It's an introduction fee, and uh, yeah, yeah, it was really good. But the guy that is that is really nice. It's sort of a nice an, uh, ending because beginning because the guy that uh, kind of gave me the idea in the first place, not directly, but through talking to him, he was creating something for card. Uh, his name's Oscar. And uh, he runs this um, sort of information product around, based around card. And yeah, he was saying, oh, you can use my affiliate uh, system for, uh, for making money if you refer my product. And I was like, I could use that as a marketplace. And that was the inception point. So it was kind of nice that the first product to sell was, was one of his products. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, yeah, it is. So I guess... But marketplaces are very difficult, you know. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Valentin is here and he's just given up on his marketplace, which was, which was going for like a year and he's, he's sick of it. Uh, Why did you give up? Um, I don't give up really, but the point is, um, so I have a marketplace where I'm selling like Notion template, you know, as a tool. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So basically um, I'm doing like affiliation, like what Martin is doing. So I did around, I think, $250 of affiliation with that. It's great, but after like six months, like it's really hard because I'm, I'm mostly thinking most it's hard because of the Notion community, which is like selling templates around like $5-$10. So you're taking like 20% on it, so it's good. But before like really leaving from it, it would need maybe 10 years. <laughs> No, but seriously, like I think like marketplace are really nice, but in the same time, it's asking so much time to put it on that um, I'm just putting like on some automatic mode and let the SEO doing his job and coming on, like maybe coming back on it like in six months or something like this. We'll see how it's Yeah, going. the numbers are not really good, you know, like how many sales every day would you need to make? I don't know, like 5,000 per month. You would need quite... In, in uh, profit a lot uh, right it would be yeah. a lot of sales i think it's 20 percent five dollars per yeah like and now it's really like it's evolving on the market because there's more and more like notion templates selling like for like 30 to 80 dollars so it's getting more interesting but the thing is i also want to focus on something else like also because like yeah like 
some point like I just think like you just need that you let your baby go I don't know how to say it but you project to just live his life and you're coming back maybe like in a few months because like like it's costing only like 20 dollars per month to to just do that so it's okay I think Valentin we had we had a good chat a while ago and obviously we're similar domain and sort of going yeah. similar market as well but uh, I think my only feedback with that is, is that obviously your your hyper niche and I think hyper niche markets have got to have a massive addressable market otherwise it's a notion is really big but I think yeah you shared yeah. with me the, the community or the, the type of products that they're either so cheap or not starting to change but yeah, it's very niche which is I, I, my initial idea was to do a marketplace for card templates, which is not the first time anyone's thought of that. But um, I think for the, the idea of a no-code tool uh, and template marketplace, which is, um, you know, built and it's the products that all the sort of no-coders are making at the moment. I was, I was looking for something a bit wider and I love what you've done. You spent so much time sort of like laboring over that and mine sort of pales into comparison in terms of uh, how nice it looks. But um, yeah, hopefully I won't. Feel too despondent in the near future. I'm, I'm looking to push this a little bit more now, but uh, maybe we could uh, do a trade on your directory of Notion templates. <laughs> I think uh, I, I, I don't regret at all to, to launch like a marketplace because, like, I think you with marketplace you just learn the hard way. Like, it looks simple at the beginning, and when you're doing it, you're like, "Shit, I didn't imagine it was that hard to manage all the item, to manage all this kind of stuff," and yeah, I know that now I don't want to do like B2C businesses or like marketplace businesses again. <laughs> That's all, but it's good to know. Like I will learn much more like in the future. So it's super good for that. Yeah, exactly. My first idea was as well a marketplace. Like had business owners that were advertising the, the nightclubs and bars. And on the other hand, people that wanted to go out at night. Yeah. And that was just so hard you know to to yeah. bring both people it's the what's it called chicken and egg problem you know yeah. who's going to come first yeah yeah very difficult and I, I would think about how many you know visitors i would need for ads to make x amount of money per month which is not really i think possible. it's when a business looks simple on the paper it's meaning like it's going to be like really hard afterwards uh, it's my opinion, but for example, agency or marketplace looks simple on the paper because they look like you're just going to manage people like for an agency or you're just going to like, okay, I'm going to sell in like products that or services that I'm, I'm even not owning, like it's not my purpose. Yeah. And it looks simple on the paper, but in real life, like it's going to be really hard to scale it and to manage it. So, yeah. Uh, have you seen the, this I think is the best talk of all time on bootstrapping a business. I would watch this twice a day. Twice this a is day. just, a, this is amazing. No, honestly, it's the best. Oh yeah, I heard about it. Man, you have to watch it. Okay, good to know. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, I think I saw this one. Man, it's yeah. so good. He, yeah, I saw it recently and he's like, um, got to be B2B, you got to be able to charge them $66 a month or more. And then yeah. you only need 150 customers. Yeah. Uh, which is achievable. Yeah, it's achievable. And he he was even talking about like Kickstarter. You know, at the time, Kickstarter was still super popular. Like still big numbers, but a lot less than you would think for a website that big, you know. Like there were there are bootstrap businesses that are making more money than Kickstarter. 
I saw it too, but I thought like the prices that he was suggesting were really high, though. Like it's it might be hard to get 150 customers paying that amount each month. I think you'll be surprised. Like I was very surprised. You know, I launched with $29 a month, and just to see how different B2B is to uh, to anything else. Uh, in the past, my my largest sale was uh, $10 per month. Okay. Uh, I launched Cyberlead, which is targeted towards businesses, uh, and I initially launched it at $29 per month. Uh, a guy sends me a message and says, hey, I had a look at the website. Would you mind jumping on a call? You know, that expression. And I say, yes, let's, let's talk. And, uh, you know, I'm sweating. I'm like, oh, what the fuck, man? I have no product. <laughs> he will understand that I'm a fraud. I have no, I have no uh, sophisticated backend with web scrapers scraping the web and some AI to clean the data. I have nothing. But then I thought of this talk again, where he he talks about the the key word is boutique. You know, you have to you have to think of boutique, few people, uh, big prices, super niche. Uh, and I'm like, you know what? I'm gonna turn this the other way around. So I say, listen. I have no web scrapers. There are no web scrapers, no automated data or uh, scraped by the internet. Everything is handpicked by human, you know? And he, he says, you know why I called you? Because I saw the product and with $29 per month, I thought it was a fraud. <laughs> so that guy, he nearly did not subscribe because the price was too low. If you can just imagine that. So you'll be very surprised when you enter a nice, healthy market, how easy it is to charge more than you would think. Yeah. I think it also depends a lot on the audience. It's true. Like it's mm -hmm. probably, for example, I actually work uh, for a marketplace and it's B2C, but the thing is like, there's a lot of paid marketing behind because it's a venture capital company. So they, that's the reason why the wheel keeps uh, spinning, you know, because you just throw more and more and more paid marketing. And um, what I realized is that in some places, especially in the US, if you have, um, it's an events company. So if you have a ticket that is 10 euro, $10, another one that is 30 and another one that is 50, and they're practically the same, no one's gonna buy the $10 one, which doesn't make sense in my head, but they think this is $10, this, this has to be shit. I'm gonna go for the 30 or the $50 one. Yeah. yeah. Even though they're they're offering almost the same thing, they'll pick the expensive one. Yeah, I even do it. You know, sometimes you want to buy something, and if it's health related or whatever, you don't want to buy the cheap thing. It's like you can see it's like, for example, like why many companies offering like two, three, or five, three or four like plan in like say pricing. It's mostly like okay, you never go like for the smallest one. Because it's like the smallest, you don't want to be this kind of guy. You just go in the middle because the, the one like at the top is too like too expensive. Like for example, the third price. So you would always go in the middle and many companies know this kind of stuff. So they go on the psychological side that they know like the small one, nobody wants it, but it's okay. And <laughs> they just keep like this one. And it's all this kind of psychological like effects. Like you can yeah, and is... play on it is wild, you know, it's like black magic. Yeah. You can double your prices, change the button, the button color and your prices might double. But we can see it like uh, just went on your Twitter account and you post like your the poll with like uh, how much like what would be like the perfect, like how many customer would you like to have? Like 
for how much price something like this. It's like the 200 customers, like yeah. the, the, so the question is like your ideal 10K MRR business has, and it's like multiple option. And basically like you have like the winning is like 200 customers at $50 per month. Mm-hmm. And I think like, like for example, I answer like 50 customers at 200 I think a month. And I think the, the good one is like even like 10 customers at 1,000 a month. Like, I think it's also like many people are just afraid of like putting high price because like they think like, oh no, I don't deserve all this money, for example. I need to do something extraordinary to ask him like 1,000 dollars per month. Yes. Also, you're afraid of churn though, you know? You go to bed with 10K, you wake up with nine or eight. That's a substantial mm-hmm. decrease in your revenue yeah. in one night if two people are subscribed. If you have 1,000 people at $10 per month, two might unsubscribe. You went from 10,000 to 900, 900, 9,980, you know, yeah. nothing changed really. That's the thing, you know, there's a balance. And I think that is the sweet spot, you know, 50, $100 per month, 50 to 100 something. I quite like the concept of starting with the price that you want to achieve and then trying to work out what product can I make that will mm. provide enough value that someone's going to pay this and I'm going to charge this whatever. And if no one, no one signs up, then I'm going to dump that product and try a different one until I get one that people will happily pay that much for. I mean, it's quite a good target because it's so easy to slip into the, oh, I'm just going to charge like $5 a month. And then like, holy moly, you need tons of customers and you're going to get so much grief from all your customers because they're very precious about that $5 a month. Yeah, $5 a month, you need 2,000 customers. Do you know what 2,000 customers? Paying customers, 2,000 people to open their wallet, take their card out and punch their numbers in and pay you. It's almost impossible. Like Bear Metrics sold today. They had 1,000 customers. And we're talking about having 2,000 customers for 10K per month. It's a lot of people, you know. You need a higher price. uh, Yeah, because the amount of customer support you'll have to do for those people will it'll be too much for for one person it will be it will be a full-time job at least yeah that's actually something that goes back to your question of like from previous products what i had learned i built a product in the telegram ecosystem guys it was the worst experience of my life like bad customers you know all of them were scammers uh some of them i even have a, a pimp as a customer you know <laughs> Not a paying customer. It was on the free trial. Uh, you know, insane people. First of all, they would use burner cards for their free trials. They would subscribe and they, you know, Stripe automatically, they, they close accounts that have fraudulent charges and stuff. So even though I wasn't paying attention to who was subscribing or not, I could see that the accounts were being taken down and then I would uh, look at them and I would see that they were scammed people and stuff. Uh, and they would ask for so much support. And that, that's another thing. Never build something with a payment gateway in between. And like that is my, my advice. Because for example, now customer support for me could be, for some reason I didn't receive my list for the month. Oh, okay, I'll send it now for you. Sorry. Oh, here's an extra one because I'm sorry for the delay. That's it. Customer support then was, hey man, the bot, the Telegram bot was down for three hours yesterday. I, I lost 1,000 euros. And I'm charging him $29 per month. 
man. Yeah, it was terrible, man. It was terrible, you know? Bad market. Yeah. Market is everything. God, that sounds like a nightmare. Mm. So thank you very much for joining us. We really appreciate it. It was super interesting. Do you have any final words of wisdom for uh, a group of people who are on a similar journey to you, but maybe 10 or so products behind where you are now? You know, it's, it, it's cringy because six months ago I was, I was at zero revenue. It will happen before you even know it. It goes from zero to a hundred re- real quick, but you have to, you know, kill projects. Not, I'm not saying don't quit on your project and go three years on the, with the same project. You can kill projects quickly, but don't give up on the on the whole process because uh, when it happens, it will happen and you will know it. It will be completely different. This is the hardest place now before your idea, before you have traction. When you have traction, it's a lot easier, but no one talks about that. That's why I would, uh, you know, advise. And that's why I advise my best friend as well. Awesome. Thank you very much. So much. Thank you, advice. guys. Thanks for listening to this episode. To read the Growth Lessons newsletter, go to growthlessons.co. And if you'd like to learn more about our community, go to launchmba.co. And remember, everyone has a successful business in them. The only question is whether you can keep going long enough to find it.